believe it or not, we're still in Mark chapter 6. In my defense, there's a lot of verses in Mark chapter 6. And there's an awful lot of important things that happened in Mark chapter 6. So we're not done with it yet. We've got a little ways yet to go. Mark chapter 6, let's start in verse number 35. I want to speak to you today on the topic, what do you have? What do you have? Mark 6, verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks, in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Father God, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful miracle that we read about here in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help now as we think about it for a few moments. I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. Forgive me for anything, Lord, that would hinder my usefulness or ability to preach today. Help me, Father, to just be uh, filled and clear and accurate and practical in everything that is said. And as I prayed earlier, I pray that when we're done, what we're thinking about is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, if there's anybody here today for whom this message has particular application, I pray they'd listen. I pray they'd have ears to hear today. And I pray all of us would be thinking about how it applies to our lives. So speak to us, teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is so important in the Bible that it's mentioned in all four Gospels. Uh, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, and John chapter 6. And its importance is also underscored by the fact that Jesus mentioned it again later on here in Mark chapter 8. We'll see him come out, reach out, and touch on it again. And so it's a very, very, very important miracle. All of his miracles were important, but this one is right up there. Now, if you were to spend some time looking at the four different accounts and reading them and comparing them, you would find that there are many parts which are consistent throughout all four Gospels. For example, all of them mention the disciples' suggestion to send the people away. Get rid of them. All of them mention Jesus' suggestion that the disciples feed the people. You give them something to eat. All mention the disciples' incredulity at Jesus' words, which I find mildly humorous. What? How are we supposed to do that? All mention Jesus asking, what do you have? And that's something we're going to talk about this morning. In one form or another, he asked that question and all. All mention the organization of the people into groups of fifties and hundreds. And that's something we're not going to touch on today, but it's an important part of the story, which you might want to study on your own. Now, there's a lot we can learn from his organizational method there. He, uh, he organized them into groups of fifties and hundreds. All mention the method of distribution. Another important thing we really won't talk about today, but think about it. From Jesus to the disciples, from the disciples to the people. We could talk about that and spend a lot of time on that. All mention the provision for the twelve disciples. Twelve baskets full left over. 
and all mention the size of the crowd. It was big. It was bigger than this one. There's a lot of people there. There are a few minor differences between the accounts, uh, probably indicating the difference of perspective from the person who was writing, for the gospel writer. Matthew, for example, adds Jesus' command to bring them here to me in chapter 14 and verse number 18. He also makes mention of the fact that that number, 5,000, included only men, and then adds the phrase, besides women and children, Matthew 14, verse 21. And so we know that the number was actually more, probably considerably more, than 5,000 people here. John adds Andrew's part. You don't see him mentioned here, but John makes mention of Andrew uh, being the one who brought the child with the food to Jesus, John chapter 6. Again, we won't talk about that, but uh, if you want an interesting study sometime, study Andrew. Uh, Andrew was the one who was always bringing people to Jesus. He's a wonderful, wonderful person in the Bible. John also mentions Andrew's question. When he brings, he says, there's a lad here. He's got these five loaves and two fishes, uh, but what are they among so many? Andrew, or John makes, makes mention of that question. And John, I think this is my favorite part of John's part of this. John chapter 6 and verse number 11. John words the extent of the provision beautifully. He says that they all ate as much as they wanted. Now, some of us would want more than others, wouldn't we? But they all got as much as they wanted. John also adds Jesus' command that all be picked up, that nothing is lost. John chapter 6 and verse number 12. Bread was regarded by the Jews as a gift from God, and they were never to leave it to lay. They were always to, uh, to pick up uh, the scraps that fell on the ground. And so it is an interesting little detail that Jesus commanded that all be picked up that nothing is lost. And then John also added the testimony of those who saw this miracle. John chapter 6 and verse 14, Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. It's an amazing miracle. And there's many things that we could talk about and we could learn from this wonderful miracle. But I want us to be very narrow in our focus today, and I want us to think about one particular thing. I want us to think about the question Jesus asked in our text And our text is verse number 38. He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. How many loaves do you have? That's what I want to talk about today. And in developing that thought, let's notice three different points from this miracle. Let's notice, first of all, that the disciples saw a problem. The disciples saw a problem. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. Already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. The disciples saw this vast need. There were 5,000 men, we read here, besides women and children, as Matthew adds. So there were certainly more. Matter of fact, most scholars would say, if you think about that, there was probably at least double the number that Mark mentioned. Maybe 10,000 people that would have been there if you factor in women and children. So the the crowd was huge. It was getting late. It was well into the afternoon. And they had specifically sought out a remote place. You will recall how they got here in the first place. They had specifically sought it out because back up in verse number 31, we learned that they were going to get alone with Jesus. And he had said, come apart by yourselves into this deserted place. And that's where they are at this place. And so now this remoteness, which they had sought, is a problem. They were far from the nearest source of food. There weren't many McDonald's or anything else like that there. And so there was, there was a problem here, and the disciples saw it. The disciples knew the problem was beyond them, that human instrumentality was insufficient. They calculated it would take 200 denarii. The denarius was the, uh, 
the common coin of the of the Roman uh, of the Romans of the day, and it was uh, it was normally a, a common laborer was paid one denarii per day, and so they calculated that it would take eight months of one person's salary just to provide food for this large crowd, and so they they knew this was beyond them. And so to them, this request of Jesus was ridiculous when he looked at them and said, you give them something to eat in verse 37. And when I read that, I emphasize the word you because that's the way Jesus said it. His emphasis was on the word you. You give them something to eat. The disciples saw the problem. And then when Jesus told them the solution, it seemed an even bigger problem. But the real problem was that, uh, at least for them, was that in spite of the amazing things they had seen, the experiences they, that they had had with Jesus, I mean, even if we just looked at, at Mark chapter 6 and what's happened in here, they still, still were seeing through their eyes and not through his. They still didn't quite get it. They still were quick to forget that nothing is impossible with God. When we get to Mark chapter 10, we're going to see Jesus looking at them and saying, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. That's where it's recorded for us in the Gospel of Mark. But you know what? I'll bet you Jesus said that to him a lot. And certainly they'd seen evidence of it. They certainly should have understood it by now. Nothing's impossible with God. They didn't quite get that here, did they? They just saw the problem. You remember the story of Jonathan in the Old Testament? Jonathan, who was King Saul's son. Jonathan, who was David's beloved friend. Jonathan, who one day was walking along with his armor bearer and looked up and saw a garrison of the Philistines. And he said to his friend, I think we ought to go over there and uh, wipe them out. Jonathan, all by himself, with just his armor bearer. Look at what he said here. Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. He got it. He understood at that point that God could do anything. He understood God didn't need an army. He understood God could just as easily wipe out an army using one man as many men. Jonathan knew that. He stepped into the camp of the Philistines, started flashing that sword, and wiped them out. The disciples hadn't quite figured that out yet. They saw the problem, but they didn't have the faith yet and the understanding yet to see the solution. Well, I see something else. I see that the Savior saw an opportunity. The Savior saw an opportunity. Verse number 37, he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. Now, possibly the opportunity he saw was the opportunity to knock the disciples down a peg. I don't know if this is true, but it's possible. Uh, you remember in a previous study, we talked about the fact that in verse number 30, when they came back from their soul-winning trip, they came back and they gave a report to Jesus. They told him of all they had said and all they had done. And I mentioned that one of the interpretations of that that some folks believe, and I've always tended toward it, is that they were getting a little cocky there. They were bragging a little bit. Look here, Jesus, at all that we did. It may or may not be the right interpretation, but if it is, And you contrast verse 30 with verse 37. Jesus might have been saying something like this. Here come the disciples. They say to Jesus, this huge crowd of people are hungry. Let's send them away so they can eat. And Jesus replied, wait a minute. I thought you guys were miracle workers. You give them something to eat. I don't know if that's the right way to interpret it or not. But certainly it is true, isn't it? We can take no credit, no personal credit for anything in the Christian life. The Lord's grace allows us to be used. The Lord's enabling fits us for service, and the Lord's power gives us the glory. 
Andre Crouch got it right when he sang to God, be the glory great things he hath done. And so if that interpretation is right, and may or may not be, maybe Jesus was taking this opportunity to knock them down a peg and to remind them of that. But even more importantly, I think Jesus saw an opportunity for something else. He saw the opportunity to demonstrate who he is. This, this can't be questioned. That's what he was doing here, demonstrating who he is. This miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, is considered by most to be his greatest miracle. And boy, he, he did some amazing things. But most commentators seem to uh, agree that this is the greatest miracle. And the reason that they oftentimes say that is because it was a miracle of creation. It was a miracle of creation. Only the one who had created bread in the first place could create it now out of thin air. Now, some interpreters of Scripture just simply can never accept the miraculous. And so you might pick up some books or you might pick up some commentaries where people will try to explain this away. And they'll say, well, he, he didn't really feed 5,000. He didn't really create all this. It was perhaps uh, an optical illusion. Some folks actually have interpreted it that way. The people really thought they saw this, but they didn't really. And the one I love is the ones who will say, and actually one of the commentators I've used in the past says this. I'm not sure I'll use him anymore, but uh, he points out the fact that it, it, he didn't really feed. What he really did was encourage people to share their lunch. The little boy shared his lunch with others, and then others were encouraged to share their lunch with others, and then those who didn't have lunch suddenly had lunch because, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that verse 36 clearly says they had no food. They had nothing to eat, verse 36 says. We're always far better off if we'll just simply listen to the Bible. There were no lunches to share, except one. One boy who shared his lunch. J.C. Ryle said here was creative power beyond all question. Something real, solid, and substantial must plainly have been called into being which did not exist before. There is no room left for the theory that the people were under the influence of an optical illusion or a heated imagination. 5,000 hungry people would never have been satisfied if they had not received into their mouths material bread. Twelve basketfuls of broken pieces would never have been taken up if the five loaves had not been miraculously multiplied. In short, it is plain that the hand of him who made the world out of nothing was present on this occasion. None but he who at the first created all things and sent down manna in the desert could thus have spread a table in the desert now. Kent Hughes says Jesus was in their midst. And around him were the apostles. Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven and gave the traditional blessing. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the world, who brings forth bread from the earth. This was followed by a 5,000-voiced amen, and then followed a miracle of astonishing proportion. And it was a miracle that obviously and openly occurred in the hands of Jesus. If you look at verse number 41, the tenses of the words there indicate that the bread and fish literally multiplied in his hands. He broke the bread. That is the aorist tense. It indicates a one-time action that was completed in the past. He broke the bread, and then he gave it to the disciples. That's the imperfect tense, indicating a continuing action. In other words, he kept giving the bread to his disciples. Think about this. They carried an armful of bread from the Lord Jesus Christ. It would have taken a long time. Twelve guys to feed 10,000 people? How long would this have taken? 
And so they come to him and they grab an armful of bread and they go running into the street. They come back and the bread is continuing to flow over. How many times did they have to do this over and over and over and over again? It just kept multiplying in his hands. The fact is, those who would explain away this miracle just don't believe Jesus is God. If you believe Jesus is God, you don't have any trouble with this kind of thing. Paul said, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So anything God can do, Jesus Christ can do. And here Jesus saw an opportunity to, to demonstrate that, that he was the very creator God. It's also interesting that he used this opportunity to remind the disciples where their sufficiency lies. And I think I see this in verse 43. You see, all the Jews carried a basket, or normally they did anyway. It was their little lunchbox, basically. We always have things we carry with us from day to day. It was just a common part of their normal kit. They carried a little basket. So it's, it's likely that the disciples also had their baskets with them. And it's interesting, isn't it, the fact that 12 baskets of food was left over, exactly 12, not 11, not 10, not 13, 12, because there were 12 disciples. And, of course, most interpreters are saying this was Jesus providing for them as well as for the crowd. Those 12 baskets were their provision. Jesus didn't forget his own. He didn't forget the workers. As they were serving others, Jesus was meeting their needs. Just as the psalmist said, I have been young, but now I'm old, and I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Just as Jesus said in Matthew 6:33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus was reminding the twelve. They could concentrate on serving others. They could concentrate on serving him, knowing their master would always take care of them. Their sufficiency was, ours always is, him. But finally, I think Jesus saw an opportunity to teach the disciples to use what they have. And, of course, that's our text, verse number 38. Because I think he was saying here, no matter what you have, it is enough if placed in Jesus' hands. No matter what you have. Verse 38, he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. It was Zechariah the prophet who said, Who has despised the day of small things? It doesn't matter what you have. If you place it in Jesus' hands, it is enough. Samson, the strong man of the Old Testament, was nothing special until God, hold, until God got hold of him. These disciples were unlearned and ignorant men, and yet they turned the world upside down. Moses had a speech impediment. I never quite get over that one. Moses couldn't speak well, and yet he became God's spokesman before Pharaoh. Paul had physical deformities, what we don't know, but we know that he had physical issues, and yet he reached the world for Christ. One day he would write to the Corinthians about that weakness and say, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. All of these men had something placed in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did great things with it. Jonathan Edwards was nearly blind. Read his sermons. Those of you who were here at last year's Old Fashioned Sunday heard his most famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And it is said that when he uh, preached his famous sermon, one man ran to the front and begged, Mr. Edwards, have mercy. 
because he was so powerful in his preaching. And many were hanging on to the posts that held up the building because they feared they were literally slipping into hell. So powerful was the preaching of this blind man who was reading his sermon in a monotone, even in his infirmity. No matter what you have, no matter what you have, it is enough in Jesus' hands. And so the question naturally arises, what do you have? What do you have? He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Moses had this simple rod that he held in his hand. With that, he confronted Pharaoh, the most powerful man on earth. Samson had the jawbone of an ass that he found lying on the ground, and he killed a thousand men with it. David had a slingshot and five pebbles. And so armed, he stood eyeball to eyeball with nine-foot-tall Goliath. He didn't just stand there and look at him. He defeated him. He killed him in the name of God. Elijah had a handful of meal and a little bit of oil, but it was enough to feed the widow of Zarephath and her son throughout the long days and years of famine. What do you have? None other than the great theologian Johnny Cash said, Well, a man walked down by Galilee. I feel myself drifting into my Johnny Cash accent. Well, a man walked down by Galilee, so the holy book does say, and a great multitude was gathered there without a thing to eat for days. Up stepped the little boy with the basket. Please take this, Lord, he said. And with just the five loaves and two little fishes, 5,000 had fish and bread. What do you have? What do you have? A small, nameless boy had five little pieces of bread, two little fish. Most commentators will tell us they were about the size of a sardine. These were little lunch fish. Almost nothing. What do you have? God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. What do you have? See, no matter how small it might be, no matter how insignificant it might seem to you, it is enough when Jesus gets hold of it. But then that's the key, isn't it? Jesus has to get hold of it. We have to put it into Jesus' hands. What if that little boy hadn't shared his lunch? Oh, Jesus would have found another way. But that little boy would not have been the one used. One person said, two little fishes, five loaves of bread, 5,000 people by Jesus were fed. This is what happened when one little lad gladly gave Jesus all that he had. What do you have? A little talent? A little willingness to serve? A little spiritual gift, a little time, a little money, a little concern for those who are lost. What do you have? The challenge for all of us, I think, from this passage is this. Give what you have to the Savior and watch it multiply in his hands. Give what you have to the Savior and watch it multiply in his hands. He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. 